0: been and talk about mm-hmm. all the things we care, so spare a minute mm-hmm. of your time. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's time for... Mm-hmm. California's lost coast. Hidden pints at sunset. Mm-hmm. Today we visit California's most secluded brewery, deconstruct the history of the elusive Lost Coast, and discuss beer beside the setting sun and hungry sea lions. Our guest is Jared, head brewer at Chippo Ale Mill. Breathe the Pacific air, and join us for a hidden story or two. I knew frighteningly little about Northern California before my trip to the Lost Coast. It's easy for Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, other big cities to overshadow your knowledge of the rest of the state, especially if you're from out of state, like myself. But the people I met... The places I visited, the information I gathered while in Northern California enriched not only my mind, but my life in ways that are difficult to put into words. But I will try my best. The roads are downhill, uphill, sideways, diagonal, every direction you can think of. I drive slowly, methodically past tall trees shrouded in mist, steep drop-offs, and brief glimpses of the faraway ocean. Eventually, I pass the general store of my destination, Shelter Cove, California. I park my van, thankfully about one minute walk away from a brewery. I get in touch with the head brewer, Jared, who kindly agrees to talk. I walk over a few days after arriving. As I walk, the sun Starts to set, which illuminates the towering mountains behind the brewery and the frothing sea, right before it. Jared and I sit down over a pint, and we begin to talk. Before I got here,
1: I was brewing at the Ale Apothecary, which is a mixed fermentation, really cool uh, brewery up in Bend, Oregon. The owner, Julie, happened to be raised right across the street from that brewery. The ale apothecary is in the owner's house. In this, um, it's like a really, really small. Oh, no way. Uh, wow. Now he has a little bit more going on with a tasting room and a cellar. But while you were there, it was. Yeah, when I started there, it was just okay. a, it was a little three barrel operation in this garage. Sure. My job there sort of went away right when they were looking for somebody to come down here. I started here in February of 2019.
0: Serendipity, a little bit. A little bit. I, I, one of the things I was very, very curious about is <laughs> looking back on driving into this place with all the curvy roads and hills and how do you source all of your. Ingredients. How do I say this? Was that a bit of a transition from well, obviously you were in Bend, Oregon? So interestingly, no, and... because
1: we were using when I was uh, at the apothecary we were using mecca grade there was a farm that grew all the barley and wheat and then they malted it there okay. in uh, madras oregon which was about an hour and 15 minutes away and we used to drive up there and pick it up ourselves and so now when i got here and when i started out i was going through the usual channels you know you do bsg or you do country malt it was really really expensive i mean the road is so windy and the, it's coming from the bay area it gets up thrown on a truck It goes to Eureka, which is two hours north of here, gets thrown on another truck, and then it finally would make its way here. So I went to the California Craft Brewers Conference. It was 2019, and I met Ron Silverstein from Admiral Malting, which is in Alameda, California. Okay, They do all California sustainable no-till agriculture, barley, wheat, rye. They have direct relationships with the farmers, and they bring all of that to their facility in Alameda. They malt it there. And then I get it shipped to up Eureka, and I have to drive up there and pick it up, and then bring it down here. But at the end, you know, it's like I'll get malt from those guys that's three weeks old. Versus yeah. before, you, the best you can, the best of the best was coming from Europe, and it's been on a, in a shipping container on a ship for who knows how long. And then, the thing, granted, it still makes world class beer. There's no mm. doubt about it. But to me, it was super important to not only reduce the carbon footprint of all that global shipping involved with that, and then to be able to use an ingredient that is representative of the region that we are
0: in. Representative of the region that we are in. The Lost Coast. At just 225 miles north of San Francisco, the roughly 35 miles of shoreline is pristine. Crowds remain far away, and cell phones might as well be bricks. But here is a question. How did this area come to be? Let's get into it. My primary source is an article entitled On California's Lost Coast, Sea Lion Surf and Squiggly Roads, written by Elaine glussek for the New York Times. This wild, largely undeveloped and remote portion of California's coast has a actually very interesting history. The area was first populated by the Native Americans Cincyone and Matolum. It remained relatively untouched, relatively unpopulated by westward expansionists until the advent of, you guessed it, the gold rush in the mid-19th century. This rush towards fortune brought settlers looking for work and led to an increase in the forest-rich logging industry in the area. Interestingly, Side note, this is where Jippo Ale Mill gets his name. Jippo is defined by Merriam-Webster as a small logging operator who usually works on a contract basis. So the brewery name acknowledges the logging heritage of the area. All right, let's continue. You might be asking or wondering, why did this increased economic activity not spark the settling of populous towns in the area? And the answer is mostly because of the terrain which can be rough and can be unpredictable and unforgiving. Churning seas tended to wash out piers, which squashed any hopes of a large-scale commercial fishing operation. Logging can only take you so far economically, and simply put, it's hard to get from place to place when the terrain is rough, which discourages efficient economic exchange and growth. All right. Anyway, fast forward to the 1970s. Now, this is where it gets very interesting. I quote the New York Times article here. Quote, in 1970, after the timber industry had depleted much of the area and depopulation drew, unquote, wait for it, Requote. pot growers, the 68,000-acre King Range National Conservation Area, which protects... 35 miles of the coast and mountains up to 4,088 feet became the country's first national conservation area, end quote. Now this fact, the Potker thing and the conservation area, forced me into a late night deep dive, which I hope you're ready for. Let's go. I stumbled upon a New York Times article by Catherine Bishop, published in 1990, entitled Military Takes Part in drug sweep, and reaps criticism in a lawsuit. The article, as you might guess, details military intervention in the region we're talking about. Quote, In the first use of active-duty troops to fight marijuana growing in the United States, about 200 Army soldiers, National Guardsmen, and Federal agents have spent the last two weeks raiding clandestine marijuana gardens in the rugged terrain of the King Range National Conservation Area, end quote. You might ask, wait, it seems relatively unnecessary. Why were helicopters and active duty troops needed to put down this sparsely populated area of California? Well, quote, military officials say it was essential to involve troops and helicopters in the campaign because of the rough terrain, end quote. Let's well, slow down. Suffice to say, the area... Has a deceptively fascinating history and legacy. If you are still with me, I say all of this to emphasize the remote, interesting, and beautiful nature and history of the Lost Coast. As I said, just 225 miles north of San Francisco, the shorelines remain pristine, crowds are left behind, and your cell phone. Is useless. All of this was warmly welcomed by myself as I enjoyed a fresh pilsner while talking to its brewer. Can I ask personally? So you you're from Michigan? Yes. Uh, we were talking a little bit. You've moved around a bit. You were saying you traveled around. What is it like being in Shelter Cove, and what's special about having a brewery here and working here?
1: We'll stay away from the business part of having a very small population um i mean i have to keep it all diverse there's like always somebody who wants something dark but that's like there's like four guys so i gotta but i still am gonna make it the best it can be so i make the <laughs> best out i can and those four guys are gonna take forever to drink it but you know what i mean inside so there's that I side do. of things and i've done some really fun kind of sour beer ex- experiments i've got one going right now actually it's it's been aging in barrels for over a year, and I just put it all on peaches, and I'm going to give it another year and see how that goes, but we don't have a beer culture here.
0: That's so funny that you say that, because I'm from Iowa, yeah. notoriously, but light country, mm-hmm. just light American loggers. and I've asked this question a lot to people around Iowa and the Midwest, but I haven't asked it here, and I actually think it's fascinating. So when you come into a, a community that's not necessarily knowledgeable or exposed to to beer styles... Do you have to slowly inter- introduce different styles and stuff? I just make them and put them on
1: and see. I mean, yeah. like you're saying, I mean the, the, our biggest sellers are my Pilsner, the Mexican lager, and then as of the last year and a half or so, it's our Hazy Chasing Rainbows, it's called. Even if they're good, like our double IPA, it was called I Know Karate. It was super, super good, easy to drink. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't boozy, it wasn't too bitter. It was really great, but it's just, you know, people are one and done. No, well, that
0: that's interesting
1: as well. well. It's an eight point five percent. They have won, well, and they're like, "Yes, all right, <laughs> I'm good."
0: Over every mountain there is a path, although it may not be seen from the valley. American poet Theodore Roosevelt. Perhaps the most striking aspect of the lost. Coast is the feeling you get while you're there. The natural beauty and often untouched landscapes humble you pretty quickly. Whether you are hiking along the 25 mile, three day Lost Coast Trail, which is actually vulnerable to tides that make sections impassable, or admiring a sunset while listening to the song of hungry sea lions, or just having a beer at Chippo with the cold Pacific wind blowing on your face. The Lost Coast has an enduring quality that's increasingly difficult to find these days. As I sit there across from Jared in the small town of Shelter Cove, surrounded by mountains and ocean, I know one thing for sure. When you are in the Lost Coast, you must be in the Lost Coast. It's surprisingly hard for your mind to wonder amidst the beauty of your surroundings. This feeling of being in nature, of feeling a calmness, a focus in nature, is backed by science. In the article, How Nature Can Make You Kinder, Happier, and More Creative for Greater Good Magazine Science-Based Insights for a Meaningful Life, Jill Sooty reports, quote, in one recent experiment conducted in Japan, participants were assigned to walk either in a forest or an urban center, taking walks of equal length and difficulty while having their heart rate variability and blood pressure measured. Participants also filled out questionnaires about their moods, stress levels, and other psychological measures. Results showed that those who walked in forests had slightly lower heart rates and higher heart rate variability, indicating more relaxation and less stress, and reported better moods and less anxiety than those who walked in urban settings. The researchers concluded that there's something about being in nature that had a beneficial effect on stress reduction above and beyond what exercise alone might have produced, end quote. Additionally, in Nurture by Nature by Kristen Ware, quote, There is mounting evidence from dozens and dozens of researchers that nature has benefits for both physical and psychological human well-being, says Lisa Nisbet, Ph.D., a psychologist at Trent University in Ontario, Canada, end quote. But we all kind of know this inherently, don't we? You just feel better when you're in nature. And let me say this, if you place a brewery in one of the most beautiful, secluded, and unreal sections of coastline in California. It's bound to be a recipe for relaxing and unforgettable nights. The sun continues to set over the ocean on Jared and I. So let's continue our conversation. Do you ever have a chance to look at a sunset or look at where you are? Because man i'm I'm camped right over there. There's seals just uh, vocalizing and waves, and it's a magical place to to have a brewery. Oh, sure.
1: yeah, I mean, the first time I came down to visit before I took the job, you know, it was they weren't open on a Thursday or whatever it was. and my wife and I, but my boys were very little. We just sat mm. right over there and drank a couple beers, and it was like sixty four degrees and perfectly crystal clear and the waves are rolling and the sea lions are. Barking and how could you not want to be here Was that the moment that you decided I think that's what sealed the deal Yeah for sure hmm. that we wanted to come down here it was just such a magic thing And you know we've learned there's a lot more going on Here too as far as geology And like other things that make it pretty magical Like it's the only oh, wow. As far as I know it, Like it, we're on this Only little piece of Of the Pacific plate That's going east And shoving under the hill So those hills behind us are coming up on top of this, oh, this wow. shoving underneath, yeah that's kind of fascinating and crazy and you um, know you talk about the, the remoteness of it part of the thing that has been a focus of mine is to get some distribution so that we get out of here but what's so tricky about that is it's two hours north before you get to any people so we were self distributing I went got us into cans um, two years ago now okay. um, and we started we've been self distributing that whole time and then finally it was like man we got it sign with somebody to help us out Hmm. so we signed with a distributor north Coast mercantile and they help us out with the cans and the kegs um and those trucks can can go up and down those
0: those
1: yeah they have a smaller one that comes down has bays in it and they'll pick up here which is great we have this a house just a couple miles away from here we look straight up black sand beach every day is is pretty beautiful here i mean it's you know, even on the rainy days are beautiful. The sometimes the wind gets a little nuts, but you know that keeps that keeps me going. And uh, I mean, my kids are fun, and families also helps a lot. And then, as far as just in the brewery, it's kind of like there's a lot of great beer out there, no doubt. If you're not doing a good job right now, you should try a different profession. Like, there's so much community built around brewing that we can all share ideas and every, all the products just get better and better and better and better and better. But better better. Yeah. in my mind, yeah. like it the, the beer's, it just, yeah. I mean, the, what you could get 10 years ago, even at the grocery store versus what you can get now is over 9,000 today. in the kind of in the U S it's crazy. There was a great interview. Um, master brewers podcast. I'm pretty sure that they did with Fritz Maytag when he was leaving anchor steam. Okay. You know, and he kind of built that, like he bought that. Do you know the story of what, of him? Fritz Maytag? No, I don't. That's w- worth listening to, uh, okay. the Master Brewers podcast. Okay. When they talk to him. Because he basically, Steam in the 70s, or maybe he bought it. Um, and it was just terrible, of course. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know anything about brewing beer. And he turned that into what it was by, you know, every aspect of that brewery he had his hands involved in. Um, and then in, at the end of the interview the host, whose name escapes me, says, you know, is there any advice you can give to brewers right now? And he says, just, you know, put something in your beer. Like, if you don't put yourself into what you're doing, then it's going to show. So if I, you know, if I'm making something in there that I like, eh, I don't know. I don't, I don't do it because... It's not going to be representative of what I feel is important to put out, I guess. That's not just
0: brewing advice, that's life advice. I'm not going into flattery at all, but I want to say, and I want to tell you, that I came here not knowing that there was a brewery. I went to an RV park, and I saw that a brewery was a minute walk away. And I came here after a long day of driving. It was rainy. Uh, I was a little like, crabby and I came over here and, and had, uh, I forget what, what beer it was, but man, it was, it was very good, very oh, quenchable. You. And, and to be able to provide that for people in this special place, sitting by the yeah. ocean is, is such a special thing. So I want to, I want to thank you. Oh, thanks. Uh, not only it's, for that. It's funny. But...
1: <laughs> there have been times where I'll, one time, very specifically, I was hanging out here after work, having a, having a pint. And, this guy comes walking in and he's standing. We have all of our beers listed on the wall over kind of left side of the bar. Mm-hmm. And he's standing there looking at the, the the beers. And he looks at me and he's like, You work here? It's like, Yeah. He's like, you Got anything local? It's <laughs> like, Oh, come with me, sir. I like walk him into the brewery and he's like, Oh, it was so funny, dude. Like, what do we have to, I mean, it says restaurant and brewery on the, it's just so funny. Like, Close your eyes and point at something, man. All of a sudden you're there.
0: It's like, it's all local. It's all local. I want to end this episode with a poem that I feel really relates to what we're talking about today by Emily Dickinson, written to her brother, Austin. Yeah. There is another sky, ever serene and fair. And there is another sunshine, though it be darkness there. Never mind faded forests, Austin. Never mind silent fields. Here is a little forest whose leaf is evergreen. Here is a brighter garden where not a frost has been. In its on fading flowers, I hear the bright bee hum. Privy, my brother, into my garden, come. Beer. To me, this poem is about being centered and content with where you are in the present moment. To be honest, you know, sitting here between mountains and, and the Pacific Ocean. The beer in hand at the sun setting miles away from crowded cities. There's nowhere else I'd rather be and nothing else on my mind. Thank you so much for supporting the Beer Nomad Podcast. If you find value in the show, which I hope you do, please rate and subscribe. Otherwise, if you have any questions at all about this episode, previous episodes, future episodes, reach out to me on my Instagram at the beer nomad van. That is it for this week. Drink good beer and be good to each other. Cheers. Mm.